0: Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. We are starting a new series this weekend called Stand Up Faith. It's uh, on the, the book of Jude, and um, if you got your Bibles, you might want to turn to the book of Jude. It's on page 1039 in your Pew Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, you'll find that book. It's pretty short, and uh, I'm going to say that, uh, boy, this is a great opportunity to jump into a Bible study. I mean, we've got, we've got a one page. We're looking at one page, people. We can do this. Uh, we got room in Bible studies uh, we're going to be doing this uh, for four weeks uh, but love to have you grow with us uh, in in this study uh, Jude you, you, you may not be familiar with Jude uh, you may be more familiar with the Beatles song hey Jude uh, uh, and actually his full name was Judas but of course somebody messed up that name so he shortened it and went by Jude uh, but this this is a brother of Jesus um, Jesus, uh, he, he, he was part of a large family. Mary and Joseph, you, you know the story of Christmas and how Jesus is born. Uh, we know from Mark chapter 6 verses 3 to 4 that they had a larger family. Mary and Joseph had a large family. They had five sons and daughters. Uh, not, not five daughters, but, but they had five sons and some daughters. We don't know how many daughters. We don't know the names of the daughters. That's um, a bit of a mark of the cultural uh, time in which that, that gospel is written. But we do get the names of the five brothers, you got Jesus and James and Joseph and Judas, and I think they ran out of names to start with J, and then what? Simon, uh, and um, and and so that. My guess is that was that would have been an interesting way to grow up in the family of the Son of God. Your mom always saying to you, "Why can't you just be, be more like Jesus?" <laughs> um, and, um, and and and. And just the just the, the pressure of always is having this perfect brother. Brother, if you want to know what that's like, just ask my sister. It's really hard, uh, pretty pretty difficult. Um, and, and the siblings of Jesus, they did not believe that that he was the Messiah. They they didn't buy it. Uh, they didn 't they didn't believe that he was the Son of god it 's not till after the crucifixion and resurrection that when Jesus, uh, as Paul tells us, appears to, to over five hundred people that uh, that we the sense of that the family of Jesus then believes they believe that he indeed is the Messiah. James, one of those uh, brothers, maybe more well known to you. He wrote a, wrote a book in the New Testament. It's a favorite of many. It's called the Book of James, um, and so you may be familiar with that book. Uh, Jude, again, is lesser well known, but we're going to spend four weeks looking at this um, th- this book. And as we do, uh, Jude wants to write to the early church. He wants to encourage them. Actually, his motive in writing originally was he wanted us to unpack this great gift of salvation. Um, but as I read this morning, what you're going to see is that he, he, while he would love to do that, he's going to have to change gears and talk about an issue that's taking place in the church because there's some people in uh, who have kind of worked their way into the church who are preaching a, a different gospel than the gospel that was entrusted uh, to them. So let me read the um, first four verses of the book of Jude. Um, it says, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Let me just stop right there jude could have started his book saying hey uh, i'm jesus brother i got the inside scoop i know what i'm talking about Um, but he doesn't go through i think it's fascinating that he just identifies himself as a slave jesus is master he's lord i'm his servant a brother of james james is at this now this is his brother jesus as well he's the lead pastor of a significant church in jerusalem um, so he's, he's saying, I, I'm Jude, slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God, the father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. This is God's holy word. Some things never change. 1936, Dale Carnegie uh, writes uh, a book and talks about how to win friends and influence people. He names six core behaviors that will get this uh, task accomplished. First of all, the very first thing you should do is is smile. Let me just try this one. Just smile. I mean, turn to your neighbor and just smile at him and just watch what happens. There's some of you not even turning. Come on, people. You can do it. (laughs) I mean, it's just—it infectious. Just smile at someone. That's what Carnegie says. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Don't be critical. Don't condemn. Don't be a complainer. Don't be a whiner. Uh, give honest and sincere appreciation. Motivate. Uh, a want in another person, an eager, something you see in them, that's pretend, motivate them to to move in that and make the other person feel special. That was written in 1936, and some things never change. It still works. You still smile. You'll you'll win friends by just smiling. Uh, You'll still influence people by motivating something deep within them and drawing it out. Some things never change. It's true. I mean, it's... Look, the sun will always rise in the east. It will set in the west. The ocean will always taste salty. You will never keep up with the Joneses. You can't go back in time. You're never going to be able to please everybody. The ducks will always beat the beavers. And the patriots... The Patriots will always be cheaters. We, we, these things we know, right? We know. A couple of them might be suspect, but, uh, some things never change. Now, I'm not anti-change. I mean, I, I, think there's some great things that have changed. I mean, medicine, for one thing, I'm so glad that if you have a significant infection in your arm or your leg, that, you know, the first, uh, first way of moving forward in medicine is, you know, is no longer amputation. I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the advances in communication. Uh, a, a week ago, a week ago, last Saturday, um, and we we're doing, we we're saying a, fa- a farewell at a, at a, at a party for uh, Cameron West, an RTI graduate. He's the first RTI grad who's being placed internationally by our movement, the Christian Missionary Alliance, been placed in Cambodia. Last Saturday, we're saying goodbye to him. He gets on a plane the next day. Yesterday, I get a newsletter from him, as some of you did, and it's got pictures of where he's where he's shopping. It's got pictures of his apartment, pictures of his roommates, and it's like seven days later. Later, we're getting this communication back, and I'm so grateful for that. I mean, there was a time when you have to wait months before you found it. Did he make it there safely? And I'm sure his family is grateful for advances in communication. That's a significant change. That's a good change. And um, so I'm not anti-change, but some things should never change. My son, uh, Chase, loves his mom's cooking, and he loves to cook. He was one of those kids that would Call uh, midday for, you know right before baseball practice or football practice or choir, and he would he would say hey uh, what 's for dinner and uh, food was always on his mind, and you had to be careful with him because you needed you, you, if you told him you were having pizza you couldn 't change it to chicken because it would mess him up. it would send him in a tailspin and uh, so you know mom would tell him and, uh, and then he could look forward to it and one of the things he loved that mom made uh he, she, trina makes these these rolls these dinner rolls uh and uh man chase just loves these in fact at thanksgiving and christmas he calls to make sure that there's enough rolls after the main meals because he likes to take uh, t- the ham and the turkey and these sandwiches with mom's potato rolls these dinner rolls and uh th- th- it's just a way to his heart so He's newly married, and year one of his, of his marriage to Bethany, his, his wife, uh, she, uh, she gets a phone call from him midday, uh, you know, what's for dinner, it's still happening, uh, and uh, she says, well, actually, I'm making a significant meal for you, and I'm making your mom's potato rolls, dinner rolls, and he's like, wow, that's, that's awesome, uh, he finishes his workday, gets home, sits at the table. Dinner comes, and the dinner rolls are there. And he sees them, and they look a little bit different than Trina's, but you know it, it, that's, that's okay. And uh, but then he takes a bite, and they taste horrible, they're awful. And uh, and he 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 says, "These are not these are not my mom's rolls." And she, and, and Bethany says, "Well, I I, I made them gluten free." Um, (Laughter) and uh, to which my son then again says that that that's not my mom's roles you are a liar (laughs) which this is a good time to promote our peacemaker seminar that's coming up (laughs) conflict comes in all shapes and sizes folks and if you're newly married well you need this like my son needed it uh, you know, some things should never change, and, and you know, the, the, the recipe, so to speak, uh, should never be altered, and, and that's just, some things do change, it's, it's good, but some things should never change, and Jude, as he's writing this letter, he's going to talk about two things that, uh, that, that never change, and as he gets in, we're just in four verses, a couple of things that just don't change, and the very first one is the gospel. It's the gospel, the good news of how God is reconciling mankind back to himself. And so he says uh, the, the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. He's referring to this, this gospel that it's the faith. God has entrusted it once for all time. Okay? Once, one way of being reconciled to God, one way of being redeemed. Uh, it's been trusted to people for all time. The, the the gospel should never change. Now, here's what I want to do today is at the beginning of this series, because Jude's gonna he's gonna get into more of this as we as we move along here in this series. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we have a kind of a clear baseline. When we say the gospel. What are we talking about? Um, the gospel literally means good news, and so I want to make sure why make sure you understand why it's good news. And so I'm, we're going to have a little, uh, it's gonna, some graphics going to be up on the screen to kind of lay it out for you. Now, if you're a Christ follower, my hope is that this will clarify for you what Jesus has done for you. We celebrated communion. We've sung songs about Jesus paying it all. And my hope is that that, that, that will cause worship to rise out of your heart as you once again reflect on what God's done for you. But perhaps you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian the, what I'm going to put on the screen will hopefully help you understand why we do celebrate. And I also hope that it, it, it speaks to you in such a way that perhaps you would want to experience this good news personally. And if you are a Christ follower, maybe you just want to kind of take notes, maybe draw on a piece of paper because it's important that you're able to uh, explain the good news as well to someone. But it all begins in the story of how God creates heaven and earth. Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, we get at the beginning of the story where God creates earth and he creates humanity. Uh, Adam and Eve, they're the first inhabitants of earth. And there is a perfect relationship. Uh, God shows up in the scene. Adam and Eve are there. And it's a perfect relationship. The world is perfect. I mean, environmentally speaking, it is pristine. Uh, they, They have the perfect job. Their job is to steward creation and care for it. Uh, it's a per- and, and they have the perfect friendship with God, and things are good and things are going well. And God is he's empowering them and saying to them, "Look, you, 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 this is all yours. I want you to steward. I've made it for you. And here, here's the, here's just a, a little bit of boundary for you. There is one part of this earth that I've created. There's a tree. I don't want you to eat from the, the fruit of that tree. That that's the one boundary I'm putting in place. Everything else, knock yourself out. Okay, so. Adam and Eve. We don't know how long they get to enjoy this perfect environment, but if you know the story, you do know that a tempter comes along. Satan comes along, and of course, kind of uh, seduces Adam and Eve to to take that fruit from that one tree in all the earth that they're not supposed to touch uh, to eat from, and um, and they they do eat from it, and they cross that line, and it breaks the relationship. So, they were together in perfect. Harmony and relationship, but now there's a separation. Now, this should not surprise you because um, you you have relationships with people, and when people cross the line with you, when they cross the boundary with you, this very same thing happens. Um, The the Bible, when you talk about the separation between man and and God, calls it sin, which is a big word. We know sin's bad, but oftentimes we don't understand what, what sin is. The the scriptures help us understand that sin, literally, it means to trespass us, to trespass. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses. To trespass is to go someplace that you shouldn't go. It's to cross a line. So uh, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. It also means to sin is to miss the mark. Picture a bullseye uh, on a target, and to miss the bullseye is to not meet the standard. It's also an attitude, an attitude of rebellion or an attitude of lawlessness. So, when sin enters the world, yes, a boundary is, is, is crossed. Yes, a standard is not met, but there's an attitude that's connected to it that says, I know better. And this breaks the relationship. Again, when think about earth relationships. That would break, that would cause separation in, in friendships or maybe even in marriages. When boundaries are crossed, when it's done with an attitude, when a standard is not met. So we have the separation, and I think that, that we, we feel this inside, whether we know it or, or, or maybe it's unknowingly. We sense the separation. We sense the distance between us and God, and so we try and bridge that gap, and we do it in different ways. We, we do it by saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to—I hope there's more good accomplished with my life so that when life is over that um, God will see the good and see that I was better than, you know, better than I was bad, and, and I'll be good with him. Or I'm just gonna I'm gonna give resources to charity to people who are in need and um, and I'm I'm gonna do that and God will be pleased. Or this happens a lot. People say, well, I'll, I'll be religious. I'll, I'll do some spiritual stuff. I'll, I'll go to church. Surely God will be pleased by that. These are all attempts to try and fix a relationship. But what scriptures teach us, actually, Isaiah and his book tells us that all the things that we would call good, everything that we would say is righteous, actually, to God, it looks like filthy rags. Now, that might cause you to recoil a bit. I, I get that. But let's just, let's just face this, that the reality is all those attempts fall short. All the things that we call good, we always maximize our efforts to make things uh, you know, we like, yeah. I mean, look what I'm doing, and we always minimize our mistakes and the impact it has on another person. This is just what happens. Now, God says that our separation comes with consequences, and that consequence is death. It's physical death. You, you, you were not. In, I mean, when you we were created, we were never intended to die. But sin brought with it consequences. And there is such a thing as physical death. We know this. And there is such a thing as spiritual death. And uh, there is the reality of heaven. And friends, there's the reality of hell. Not a popular topic. Jesus spoke about it. And this is the bad news. We're, We're broken people. We're separated from God. And there's nothing we can do on our own to bridge that gap. But God... Now here's where it gets good. God is not happy about it. He wants a reunion. He wants the friendship restored. He wants reconciliation. So what he does, he sends his son. Jesus leaves the glory of heaven, set aside all his all his divine prerogatives, and he humbles himself. He becomes a baby, he takes on flesh, becomes a baby, it grows up in wisdom and stature, and he lives the life that you and I could not live. He lives, bless you. He lives a life in which you, he, he's completely sinless, which means the Bible says that, it, that the consequences of sin is death. But Jesus never sins, so he shouldn't suffer those consequences, but he willingly lays down his life and pays your death, my sin, our sin debt, so that if anyone would simply acknowledge that they have crossed lines, missed the mark, had an attitude of rebellion or lawlessness, if they'll just admit that and, and and request forgiveness and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and turn from an old life and enter into a new life, if, if, as simply as that acknowledgement and that, that sort of setting of a new direction, Jesus, is, he, what he does is he goes to the cross and he makes it possible to cross over and to be reunited with God forever and ever and be in relationship with him. This is the good news, that once we were a people who were lost, but now our God has sent his son so that we could be found and be restored in relationship with him. Now, some of you in the room, you're on the far left-hand side, and you say, Steve, would you just be quiet because I lost you at hell? I I don't... that makes no sense to me. Or maybe you're here, and you're kind of on that, that left side there, the precipice, and maybe even watching on live stream right now or listening on podcasts, and this is the first time this has made sense uh, to you. And, um, and can I just say to you, is there any reason why today you wouldn't want to cross over? Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to receive this great gift of being reunited with God? Because, I mean, all it takes is simply admitting that you need a Savior, and saying that you want to follow him and you can you can pray that prayer you can just say that prayer right now you can tell god that, that you're in need of him and invite him to be the lord of your life and tell him you want to follow him and in this service man we, we love interruptions of people coming to the cross and what, writing their name on a white ribbon and pounding it on the cross and we celebrate that around here you could do that at any time during a service it's one of our ways just marking that moment but you could, you could enter into that relationship. And if you've done that before, my hope is that you'll realize what your God has done for you. That he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. That's what he's done for you. You, are, you gotta get this. You are dressed in God's righteousness. He looks at you and sees you as perfect and holy. Right now, you are, you are likely sitting next to a saint. I mean, take a peek. I mean, some of you, I know them. No, that's... But when the Father sees them, he sees them dressed in the righteousness of Jesus. And we're on a journey of being conformed into the image of Christ. This is the good news. God has put his spirit in us. And friends, the moment you take your last breath, here on earth, you take your first breath in heaven with him forever and ever and ever. It's good news. Now, 2 John 1, 9 says this anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with god but anyone who remains in the teaching of christ has a relationship with both the father and the son this is what jude is getting at here he's saying some things do not change and they shouldn't change and he's saying right from the beginning, the gospel some things don't change the gospel doesn't change the second thing that that he's going to get at some things don't change is that there's wolves dressed like sheep in verse four, he says they've, they've, they've wormed their way in. They've wormed their way into your churches, and, um, and, uh, and 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 they're they're leading you astray, and you're following after Christ. And um, and so Jude is, is getting after that. And there's, there's a couple ways that uh, that they do this, and we'll see this here in verse four. Um, the first thing they do is they redefine morality. And let me read this for us. The condemnation. It says, uh, "I'm sorry." It says they've wormed their way into your church, is saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. See, there's some who would say, "Yeah, we, we love the fact that God's God's grace is for us, um, and um, yeah, yeah you're, you're leaving an old life, but you know, um, you know that that need, that that issue, I mean, that desire, it's strong. I mean, God will forgive you. It's it's okay. Don't worry." And Judas saying, "No, no, that, that now you're you're talking about something that's different than repentance. You're a new creation. Discipleship has a destination, and um, and, and yet there are some who are saying it's okay. You can. It's an emphasis on grace while neglecting truth. Jesus came full of truth and grace." He's incredibly gracious, but, friends, there, there is such a thing as truth. And those false teachers have wormed their way in, and they are redefining morality, saying, no, no, this, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. No, no, this is, what, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And, and what Judas saying is, no, there, there, there's integrity to the faith. Friends, I can stand up here and I can tell you that, you know, let's say I'm a member of Greenpeace, but I can't be a member of Greenpeace and go home and have whale steak for lunch right I mean that that'd be hypo- hypocrisy uh, I can't say that I'm a, a committed environmentalist and then go and teach that climate change is a hoax Th- that doesn't go together that that, that just doesn't that's, that's hypocrisy I, I can't say that I'm a member of PETA and stand up here and preach with a fur coat on right that'd be, that'd be a disconnect that'd, that doesn't make sense I can't be a Mariners fan and hope the Yankees win the World Series. This makes no sense at all, right? (laughs) Yet, there are those who would come and they would say that, well, I mean, it's okay. You'll you'll be forgiven. And Jude is writing and he's saying, and by the way, what you'll see as we carry on this letter that one of the emphasis is going to be on sexual morality. And some things never change. That, that, that this has been an issue from the, from the earliest of days, that the, the commands that Christ has given to us, that oftentimes what we do, whatever the topic might be, we, we, we redefine what it means to be a Christ follower. And Jude is saying, I wish I could unpack the incredible gift of salvation that is yours and mine in Christ. But I got to deal with this issue because there are some who've wormed their ways into your churches and they are changing something that shouldn't change. Some things never change. Recipe is being altered. I gotta speak to it. And these these, these false teachers have worked out. They redefine morality, and the second thing they do is they redefine Jesus. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and lord Jesus Christ. Redefining morality, redefining Jesus. See, here's what happens. You're reading along in Scripture or you hear God say something. He nudges you to, to say something, to do something. And oftentimes what happens is we, we hear Jesus. We hear the Spirit of God speaking to us. And we just subtly just like, well, you know, that, yeah, that, that's, that's an option. Um, and, uh, but you know, I, don't, I don't really think that's right for me. Can I, can I just ask you a question? Is Jesus your master or is he your cosmic consultant? Is he your master? Is he your lord? Or is he your advisor? Because how you answer that question will determine how you respond when he speaks to you. See, Judas writing and saying, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. Just, I got a brother you might know, his name is James. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ, which means when God speaks, when Jesus speaks, when the spirit nudges, Jude's response is, yes, Lord. Is that our response? I'll just tell you personally, as I'm reading the scripture and God convicts me or confronts me on something, every, there's everything in my way. I just want to kind of squirm out of that. But one of the ways, I one of the in this first pause that we're doing, one of the things is I've been doing it for a couple months, just making sure that I'm I'm I'm, I'm practicing these pauses myself. Because again, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I'm not doing myself. But one of the things in the, in the intimacy pause, one of the things I've been hearing the Spirit say to me is, is I want you to know me as Master. This is how Jude knows him. But see, those who have wormed their way into uh, the, the 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 church are saying, "Well, you know, you can live how you want because Jesus will forgive you, I and mean, He's great." And um, and you know, Jesus, uh, yeah, he, He's a great teacher. No, Jesus is saying He's master. Some things never change. The gospel doesn't change. And the second thing that never changes is wolves disguised as sheep. It's a picture Jesus gave us from Matthew chapter seven working their way in and deceiving people and, and kind of knocking them off course in their discipleship journey. So Jude is writing, and as you'll see in this series, he's going to urge us to contend for the faith, to defend the faith. So let me just wrap up and just kind of give us some practical ways that uh, we can begin that journey. First thing I'd say is this. Some of us simply need to respond to the gospel. Some simply need to say yes to Jesus and call him master and call him Lord. Friends, you've been doing life on your own and you've been doing life on your own for quite some time. You're carrying a load that you were never intended to carry. And there's a God who wants to lift that burden off of your shoulders. There's a God who wants to forgive you, wants to remove all your shame and all your guilt. He's paid the price to make it possible. He suffered brutally for you for me, for us. And he's just asking you to acknowledge that you need a savior. Some in the room, some watching a live stream, some listening to a podcast, simply need to respond and say, God, forgive me. I want to leave the old life. I want this new life. Come be my Lord. Others of us need to get clear on the gospel. We need clarity. We need to understand what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. See, oftentimes we confuse we confuse preferences, personal preferences and traditions as the gospel. Oftentimes the thing that the church gets all riled up about, perhaps even fights about, are things that are not in, uh, issues about orthodoxy. Uh, there, there are other issues. Um, Marie, could you help me out? I, I know I'm going backwards here. Um, can, you, can you take him back to those four Ds? Because I think this is important that we understand. There's this grid we have. There's things we die for, divide for, debate for, and decide for. We'll throw a line between the top two and the bottom two. The top two are the things of orthodoxy. And there's very few things that fall into that category. Yes, we're, we're going to die for Jesus. Yes, there are certain... We, we, we believe in the authority of the scriptures. There are certain things. But there's many things we debate for and decide for. The songs we sing, how often we celebrate communion. I mean, the, the list is long. But oftentimes the things that we have difficulty with with one another are not the divide for and die for issues, the orthodoxy issues, the, the orthopraxy issues, the way we practice our faith. Because we all have family of origin issues in the churches we grew up in, if you did grow up in a church. We have ways we like to connect with God. But oftentimes what happens is we contend for the things that we really shouldn't be contending for. It's okay to have those preferences. It's really good to have those traditions. That, that, that's, a, that's awesome. But let's not confuse them. With issues of the gospel. Second um, Timothy chapter 2, Paul's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, says, Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. That's how you know you're on a dispute that is leading you astray. It generate strife. A servant, a slave of the Lord, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Friends, some things never change. The gospel doesn't change. People who want to alter the recipe, the gospel, that will always happen as well. And Jude is going to invite us to be a people who are rooted in our Christ and stay faithful to Him. Let's pray about that. So, Lord, today we thank you that you are our Christ. We've remembered you. In many ways this morning, one of them being communion. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you that indeed, Lord, your life is a substitute for our life. And now we have hope for a future. Thank you so much, Lord. Remember the story of how you reconciled us. Today, we pause and we worship. You were good. It's in your good name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.